This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Each and every one of you for being here. To all of our first timers that are guests with us today, you have made my day. Thank you for choosing Calvary Church to be your place of worship this morning. We welcome you and we thank you for being here. All right, we're in part number two of Carpe Diem, and we have something special taking place at the conclusion of this service. We will have a baptism of one of the coolest young men that I've ever met, and his name is Isaiah Perry. Isaiah, can I ask you to do me a favor? Could you stand up and let everybody see who you are? This is one of the coolest young men you'll ever meet. I had a little fun with him before the service started. I said, man, you really messed up having Dustin baptize you and not me. I heard you ask Dustin, right? And he just smiled and I said, Dustin's drowned five people. I've only drowned two. <laughs> and then I took it further. I said, Dustin, in his, in his ministry training, he was taught the bubble. Uh, and he said, the bubble? I said, yeah, he brings people up once they start bubbling. And his daddy never missed a beat. His daddy leaned up and said, son, start bubbling as soon as you go under, okay? Start bubbling. <laughs> I love you, Isaiah, and I'm proud of you. With that said, at the conclusion of this service, if baptism is a need that you have in your life, today is a wonderful day for you to take advantage of that. And I would count it a privilege and an honor to lead you in that at the conclusion of our service. If you have been kind of maybe considering it, if you've been looking for the right opportunity, may I say that today is that opportunity, and I would love for you to take advantage of it. Let's get started this morning. Carpe Diem is a new series for the June, hot month of June this year, and today my subtopic is a really long topic. I tried to shorten it up a time or two, and before I created my PDF file while I was still able to just kind of modify things. I, I went back and forth on my subtopic and I finally locked in, but it's rather long, but you'll understand it once we get there. And my subtopic this morning is live as who you could be and treat others as they could be. And we'll, we'll get there and you'll kind of make more sense of that the further we go. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 8 will be our text. Romans chapter number 8. And I'm going to read two different verses. Verse number 6 and verse number 10. Verse 6 and verse 10. Here we go. Verse 6 reads as this. For to be carnally minded. Everyone say minded. To be carnally minded. To have Thoughts that are in opposition of the word of God. To have thoughts that are in opposition to the spirit of God. To be carnally minded. To have thoughts that are birthed out of the things of the world rather than the things of God. To be carnally minded is death. It is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse number 10. 
And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. A few years ago, a school district in San Francisco pulled off an incredible experiment. They pulled aside out of the teacher's population, they pulled aside three teachers and told them that they were going to pilot a new program within the school. And what they were going to do was they would be teaching 90 of the most high IQ students of the school. And they told the three teachers, you're the best of the best. You're the cream of the crop of educators. And we want to pull you out of the populace. And we want to take 90 of our best students out. And we want to try this for a year. We want you to lead the students, teach the students. But yet we also want you to let the students kind of go at their own pace. And at the year's conclusion, we want to kind of see where it all ended up. And once that year was over, uh, fascinating results those 90 high intellectual students were at about 30 percent better in all test scores than the remainder of the student body they were 30 percent higher than the entire independent school district that that school was a part of as well well everybody started celebrating this fact and, of course, the teachers got a little swag about them because they thought, look at us. Well, the principal pulled those three teachers aside at the year's end and said, you did an incredible job this year, but we wanted to tell you something. I have a confession. Those 90 students were not high IQ students. They were not of the cream of the crop. They really were just average Joes in the classroom that we randomly selected and put into this program. But we gave them the mindset that they were hand-selected because of their brilliance. Well, the teachers were like, what? This is even more special because you're telling me these were just average kids that we've taken to a whole nother level. That is fantastic. And the principal said, slow down. I have another confession to make. You three teachers were not the cream of the crop. You were not the best of the best. You were just the first three names out of the hat. And of course, that, that put a damper on their celebration. But what it tells us is it matters what you think about yourself and it matters what you think about others. Because your thoughts, everyone say my thoughts. Come on, everybody, say it like you mean it. Say my thoughts. Your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, will develop into your life's choices. And your choices, once we accumulate them all and they snowball into a lifespan, it was your thoughts that made you who you were. And the Bible's telling me, and it's telling you, that if you're carnal in your thinking, if you are determined to try to do things by the world's ways and methods, that it will lead you down to a path of destruction and ultimately death. And it's not just speaking of eternal death. You try to live this life 
apart from God, you will experience things in this world that die off to you. But if you put God in the middle of your life and you build your whole world around things that are spiritual, not to say that you're so spiritually uh, that, that, that you're so spiritual that you have no earthly good. I've known some folks like that. But when you try to make spiritual things your priority, the Bible says you'll live a life of peace. Can somebody handle some peace of the Lord? Well, it all starts with how we're going about our daily grind of thinking. The German poet said it this way, if you treat a man as he is, he will remain as he is. If you treat a man as he can be, he will become who he can be. No one modeled this any better than Jesus Christ. No one. Just when you think you know how to treat people, Look in the scriptures of how Jesus treated people. You and I, we come up short on how we treat people. When's the last time you didn't let that guy in on the interstate? Uh, today. When's the last time that you let that, let that person in when you were standing in line waiting to get in somewhere? Man, I had a nail in Denora's tire. We were scheduled to leave out of town. So I told her we're going to have to hold up because I'm going to run by a tire place here in town and I'm going to try to get there first thing. Man, I got there 30 minutes before they opened because daddy knows how to do things in my house. I had me a cup of coffee. I was 30 minutes early and I was the third car. So being the Strategic thinker I was, saw a Chevy Tahoe and I got a mental image of him. I saw the Ford truck and I got an image of her. I got this car and then I thought, okay, I'm fourth. And then the cars kept piling in the parking lot, but I'm fourth by God. Because I'm here 30 minutes early. And we all saw that man come with his key. And as soon as he put his key in the door, it was like someone opened the gate. And cattle just ran from nowhere. And none of us had the backbone to say, I'm fourth. But we all were thinking it. I'm second. I'm eighth. I'm twelfth. And when we got up there, no one wanted to be so rude than to get in a filing line. So we all just kind of played it cool. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? If you dare step in front of me, I'm going to cut you. Don't you step in front of me. You better watch. Now, you were here first. You, you were here. And when the door opened, of all people that stepped in front of me was like number nine in line. But that brother was like 6'4", 225. I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. It's all good. I ain't got nothing going on. I ain't got nowhere to go. But Jesus, he knew how to treat people. You and I struggle with it. 
Jesus treated people not as who they were. He treated them as what he saw in them that they could be. Think about Peter. Peter was hot-tempered. Peter was reckless. Peter was a ticking time bomb. He was a bull in a china closet. Dude would like take out sores and cut ears off and brag about it. Not even feel bad about it. Jesus put ears back on. He's like, oh, let me cut the next one off for you, Lord. Peter had some down times when he was so low, full of anxiety and fear and trouble. So much so that he even wondered if he really believed in Jesus a time or two. What a beautiful example of real humanity. He, Peter represents everybody on the first row all the way to the back. He represents the man in the pulpit. We know him now in hindsight reading the scriptures. We see all of his weaknesses, fractures, and splinters. We see him for who he was. But yet Jesus called him a rock. Because the Lord doesn't interact with people as they are. He interacts with them as what they're going to be. Who they have the potential of becoming. Doesn't mean that they're going to get there. But he's put it in them. I mean, think about it this way. Who better would know what Peter could be than Jesus, the man that spoke life into him? So he knows you. Jesus knows you. Your husband knows you. Your children know you. Your parents know you. Your neighbor knows you. Your boss knows you. But only thing they know about you is what they see. What they see is what they get. But when Jesus sees you, he sees what he's put inside of you. And with him in charge of your life, he knows that that can come out over time if someone's willing to follow. That's why we teach and preach and lead people to Follow Jesus because Jesus has taken you to the very places he designed you to get to. He's taken you to be in the person that he made you to be. But yet you're not right now. You're not in your current state, but you could be. But it's not just us. It's what about the person in our home? Who are we marrying? Who are we dating? Who are we working with? Who are we raising as children? Who are our parents? Because they too deserve to be treated as what they could be. What about John and James? I mean, these cats were mama's boys. Their mama was always the same mama that goes to the schoolhouse to correct the teacher for getting on their kids. Boy, one of my worst experiences as a student pastor was dealing with some of y'all. Your kids were, your kids were amazing. They were punks at times, but you made them punks. For eight years I served this church as youth pastor and the worst headache was mama. And the reason I can say it wasn't daddy is because those kind of mamas, daddy wasn't even gonna buck up. Can I have a word, pastor? Yeah, is your husband with you? Yeah, he's in the truck. Can you go get him? No. Why are you here, ma'am? What can I do for you? I heard you preached a sermon on talking back. Were you talking about my kid? Probably. <laughs> James and John's mama was always trying to fix their problems. Always trying to open doors of opportunity for them. James and John's mama was always out there behind the scenes. Yappity, yap, yappity, yap. Trying to solve everybody's issues. But Jesus knew that and he saw that, but he also called them the sons of thunder. 
Because he knew if they could just get mama out of the way, I've put enough in them that they can change the world. Jesus never dealt with people as they were. He managed who they were to buy the time and to give the grace to get them to who they could be. Somebody say amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Check it out. We think those disciples had incredible faith, right? I mean, they left their nets on the shore. They made a living fishing, but yet they walked away from their jobs to follow Jesus. That's crazy faith. They walked away from their families to follow Jesus. Crazy faith, Carol. I mean, these cats were crazy faith. But it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, these are the same guys that were doing life with Jesus. They watched him do all the signs, wonders, and miracles. You would think their faith would be high. I mean, they watched him straighten out crooked limbs, and, and, and they watched him cast out fever of sick bodies. I mean, these guys, of course their faith was high. But have you ever considered how crazy it was that Jesus had faith in them? Jesus had faith in them enough to say, you're going to be the men that changed the world. But I got a hot temper. I know that. But you're going to change the world. But I've got a crazy past. Of course you do. But you're going to change the world. But I struggle with doubt. I know Thomas. But you're going to change the world. How can you say all of this? Because I know what I've put in you. You've said yes to going to where I want to take you. Now we enter into the process of dealing with your issues over time. You don't have to be who you can be overnight. You just have to have enough faith to let me get you to where you need to be. Us, we expect overnight change in folk, don't we? We expect overnight change in our children, don't we? I should have had somebody say glory, amen, hallelujah, because you know that's right. We'll bust that tail, we'll chew that thing out, we'll wear them out real good, and then the next day they don't change, and we're like, hmm, got to try something else. Did I say bust that tail? It's terrible. Give me, give me some grace. I'm in the process of changing too. He had faith in the disciples. So much so he said, you're going to go to an upper room and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a part of the process of becoming who you can be. And the Bible tells us, it's on record, Mario, in the book of Acts. That the same day that they said yes to that experience, about 3,000 people were saved. And if you continue reading throughout the book of Acts, one's translations in chapter 17 says these people changed the world. World changers. Not because of who they were, but because they were in the process of becoming who they could be. And every person in this room qualifies with that same anointing and qualifies with that same future if if we will settle the issue in our thoughts to not be carnally minded but be to be spiritually minded 
carnally minded will bring you death. Spiritual thinking will bring you life and peace. Someone say amen one more time. Check this out. Listen to this real quick. Let's talk about our thoughts. And somebody right then said, "Mm -mm. I'd rather not. Well, let's talk about our thoughts. Experts say that anywhere from the low end of 50,000 to the upper end of 70,000 thoughts cross your mind every day. So we're just going to say 60,000 thoughts. I'm going to give you four crazy things to consider concerning your thoughts and my thoughts. Here's the number one concerning your mind and your thoughts. Experts say that 98 to 99% of all of your thoughts are habitual, meaning you thought those same thoughts yesterday. 98 to 99% of the thoughts you had today, you thought yesterday and the day before and the day before. That's why the Bible teaches us that it's critical, it's critical to have your mind renewed every morning. Because if you're thinking the same thoughts you thought yesterday, expecting a different outlook today, you're crazy. If you're expecting to have the same thoughts today and see a different outcome today, you're crazy. But yet that's where most of us are living. We're just rehashing, reconsidering, rethinking 98 to 99% of the, all the same thoughts we thought yesterday. 60,000 thoughts and a high, high, high majority of them are the same things I've been thinking about yesterday. But yet we expect things to change. How about this one for you? Think about this. Only 12% out of that 60,000 thoughts, give or take, only 12% are thoughts about your future. Only 12% thoughts are about my future. Why? Because when I'm carnally minded, all I can think about is my past. I only have a little portion of my thoughts that I, that I pull aside and I set aside to even consider my future. But yet at the very bedrock of the biblical definition of faith, what faith is, and by the way, you can't please God without faith, the Bible tells us, but what faith is, faith is very future-oriented, Faith is everything about that I know, that I know, that I know what I'm hoping for. Well, I can't hope for something that I've yet to consider, that I haven't thought about. I spend so much time thinking without faith that I'm spending my time in yesterday that I've, I absolutely nullify the opportunity at hand to think about where God's taken me. Again, this is, all about, this is all about living as the person you can be, treating other people as, you, as they could be rather than as we are. Well, I'm stuck as I am if I'm never thinking about what God can do in me in my future. Are you, are you tracking with me? Man, we only got about 60,000 thoughts, Rain, and I've got to be a steward over my thoughts. I have to bring this 
thought and mind into captivity. I've got to let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. If my thoughts are going to ultimately become who I am, I've got to start thinking right. And thinking right is not spending all my time in my yesterday. Thinking right is acknowledging my yesterday, but oh, am I ever dreaming about tomorrow? Am I ever dreaming about a better future and a better day? I, uh, I don't know the name of this, and uh, I, know it, I know this is kind of small country church uh, activity here, but if anybody knows the name of it, I'd love to know. Uh, when I was a little boy, and, and, and I think they even still have them today. There's these little contraptions, these little plastic things that you put the little, the little cartridge in, you put it in the eye, and you click it, and it changes images. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, know, I don't know what it's called. What is it? Viewmaster. Man, y'all just made that up. <laughs> okay, Viewmaster. I've heard it from the top. It's Viewmaster. Check this out. Think about it. Stay with me for a second. Viewmaster. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to catch this, man. This is something that every eight-year-old in the room can get or every 80-year-old can get. Check this out. You got your sight. You're rocking and rolling as a 12-year-old kid or as a 42-year-old pastor. You got your vision. You got your sight. But as soon as I pick that Viewmaster up, it changes what I'm seeing. And most of the time in them view masters, man, when you were a little kid, right, there was that little dump truck. And you're like, oh, dump truck. Oh, man. Then you change it. Choo-choo train. Then the next one, you know, it's like, ooh, beautiful girl named Nora. Ooh. And you click it. I made that up. But the view master, the view master gave you views that were greater than your current status and it caused the kid to dream ladies and gentlemen you need a view master of faith where your mind can start seeing a slideshow of who you could be in Jesus just keep clicking around every day until you see what God can do in your life because you take that down it's just well this is my life this is my marriage this is my job this is my health how it's always going to be. But if you could get into faith and pull the word of God up to your eyes and just start seeing the unlimited possibilities with Jesus, you start seeing it, and now we're going from 12% to 20%. Now we're at 50%. Half my day, I reach back and say, thank God I'm not where I was. But half my day is, thank God I'm going somewhere better. I've changed my percentage of my thoughts by what I'm putting in my mind because a carnal mind is death but spiritual mind where I'm pleasing God with my faith and I'm reaching for the unlimited possibilities in Jesus. I'm going somewhere. Why? Because I've seen it. I've seen that I'm more than a conqueror. I've seen that I'm forgiven. I'm seeing that I'm the head and not the tail. I've seen it. I'm catching a vision of what the possibilities can be like in my life And then when you start operating like that, you can start speaking over other people in your life. I know it's not what you want right now, darling, but just think what it can be. You start speaking life over others. Which brings me to this other point. 
The Cleveland Clinic estimates that 80% of our thoughts are negative. All right, here it is. I'm going to offend some of you. But I don't like being around negative people. So if you've ever asked your friend, I don't think Pastor Tommy likes being around me. Are you negative? (laughs) Because I got 24 hours in my day. And I ain't got a second for more negative in my life. You know why I feel that way? Because I can go negative. And I don't like me when I'm negative. And when I'm wallowing in my negativity, it's like I'm drowning and can't get out of it. Boy, when I take a, I don't take a shot glass of negative. I drink by the gallon. And when I get going negative, it ain't good. It ain't good at home. It's not good at work. The Nora has called me out on it. You're negative. Our staff, they never called me out, but I know good and well they texting each other. He's so negative. My old mom and daddy tell him, I don't even know how he come up in this house all negative. I get negative. How do I know this? Because 80% of my thoughts are negative, just like yours. But that doesn't mean that they have to be. They will be when I'm carnally minded. When I'm just living for this world, guess what? 98% of my thoughts are going to be habitual. 12% of my thoughts are going to be this and that. 80% of my thoughts are going to be negative. But if I can get this mind that God has blessed me with, it's not perfect But when it's belonging to me, it's on a dead-end path. But when I give it over to him, my life becomes bright. My future becomes something I can hope in. When I let this mind become ownership to Jesus, when it can be owned by Jesus, now all of a sudden it says my spiritual mind, it produces life and peace. Guess what? You think 80% of your thoughts are negative is bad. Just what happens when you start verbalizing what you're thinking? You've just taken it to a whole nother level. Because now what you could have just kept quiet in your mind, now you've shared it with everybody at your kitchen table. Now it's multiplying. Now it's spreading. Now they've heard a negative word. And guess what? People oftentimes repeat what they've heard. Can I get an amen? And so the more you start repeating all the negativity that you could have just kept to yourself, now all of a sudden it's spreading. Bible tells us that life and death are in the tongue. So how about we just go on a vendetta against the things of the world and how about we reach for another dimension How about we seize the day? How about we make the most of the moment? How about we carpe diem and change everything, change the the direction of our lives by changing the way we think and changing the way we speak? I had an opportunity to do this this morning in my own home. This morning's been a weird Sunday for me. I've, I've, I've kind of been out of my flow today. Sundays for me are very, very structured and very, I got my stuff. I got my routine. My coffee cup is taken out on Saturday night and put by the coffee pot. My coffee pot goes off at 620. I like my Sundays. Denora leaves the house at around 6. I love me some Sundays. I get my alone time. She takes Sailor to church real early. 
It's me and a sleeping six-year-old. My Bible, my coffee, I love it. I get my mojo. I get where I need to be. And all of a sudden now the Lord tells me, I'm not going to be at the first service tomorrow because Stacy's leading worship. What? Yeah, and by the way, Sailor's going to go with you to church. What? Yeah, you need to wake her up at this. What? You throwing me off, man. I don't know if I've ever brought my daughter Sailor to church. Isn't that weird? Because she always comes before me. There's the spiritual portion of our home and there's the carnal. But I had this opportunity this morning of speaking life. When that beautiful little 10-year-old walked in that bedroom, I'm telling you, she was so beautiful. But it was one of those moments where, okay, you need to stop growing. You're 10, not 15. And she walked into that room that beautiful skin. Then she busted out a borrowed necklace from my mom. I said, no, baby, you tan. Put the necklace back. I had that moment where I could have said, you need to stop. Stop going into your future. Stop. Go put a onesie on and get back in the crib. And by the way, Denora, a diaper needs change. Get up and do something. <laughs> but I had the moment, Chris, and your beautiful daughters, you'll have the moment just as myself. I had the opportunity to look at my little 10-year-old and just practice what I'm preaching. Because this was a sermon to me well before you ever got to hear it. And I got to look her in the eyes and said, baby, you are so beautiful. You're becoming so beautiful. And when she said these two little words in such a sweet tone, thanks, Daddy, it was like I had that moment to shape tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just about you living as who you want to be, but every one of us in this room are rubbing shoulders and doing life with someone on who they can become. Bless them. Speak life over them. I thought about it this morning. What about a daddy that would look at his boy and say, boy, you're just, I tell you, you don't get anything, do you, son? You're never going to amount to anything. I, nobody's ever going to hire you. Get up and go do it, son. You're just, I'm telling you, such a disappointment. Guess what you've just done? You've just sown seed for a harvest of a young man that's probably not going to want to do much with life. But to every daddy in the room, to every father in the room, you have life and death in your words. Every husband, every mother, every wife, every grandparent, every preacher, every layman, every employer and every employee, every son and daughter, every one of us have life and death resting with our words. And if we will take the thoughts that we have and think well of our others, and then speak words of blessing over the others, they too will be able to become who they can be more than just who they are. Clap your hands to the Lord.
If our worship team will come, I need to wrap things up this morning. If Isaiah will make himself ready with Pastor Dustin. The day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ was the day that your old self died. I need everybody's attention. Everybody check me out. The day you come to Jesus is the day that your old self died. Okay, Pastor Tommy, then why do I, why do I still have those, you know, 98% habitual thoughts and 12% thoughts of my future? Why, Pastor Tommy, is, is or, or half of my thoughts uh about things I'm not involved with and why are 80% of my thoughts negative? If, if my old man died, why am I not well put together and why can't I manage my life better? I'm glad you asked and I wanna help you with it. Your old self died when you came to Jesus. But yet Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 31 says, I die daily. Jesus said it this way, Natalie. Jesus, uh, Jesus said these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple, again, who did he have great faith in? His disciples, right? Well, if you're gonna be my disciple, you must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. So, do your best to hang with me. On this half of the, this side of the pulpit, when you come to Jesus Christ, your old self died when it concerns eternity because Jesus has saved you. And there might be someone here this morning that needs to take that opportunity today. And I'll lead you there in just a moment. But then on this side of the pulpit, let's talk about life as we know it. Eternal life, your old man has died and you're now a beautiful new creation. But you still have to go to work. You still have to deal with your kids. You still have to change your oil, Pastor Dustin. This is life in the now. And in order for your old self to remain dead, you have to go into every day with your thoughts that this day is not about me, Pastor Manny. I die to myself, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus, I'm not perfect. You've made me righteous because of what you've done, but I'm still trapped in this body until you call me home. I still got a hot temper. I still got, I'm lacking patience. I, I still struggle in these temptations. I still have thoughts of these habits. And I'm asking you, Lord, I want to die today to myself. And I want to follow hard after you. Let me give you a secret to live by. Everybody take a pen and a paper out or an iPad or an iPhone. I want to give you a statement. Somebody put this on Twitter real quick or whatever you want to do. This is worth living. And here we go. If we want to live as though the person we can be and if we want to treat others as we can be or as they can become rather, pardon me, here's the secret. Live Today, just like Jesus died yesterday, 
And just like he was resurrected this morning, and just like he's coming back tomorrow, if you'll live this Sunday, June the 12th, like he died yesterday, it's still so fresh on your mind. And yet you woke up this morning and heard the rumors that he's alive and well. And you've also heard the preacher of the prophet say he's coming back tomorrow. If you'll live today like Jesus died yesterday, like he's alive today, and that he's coming back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, we will find ourselves on a pattern of living as though we could be and who we can become. Because we won't stay stuck in yesterday. We won't worry about today. Our whole life will be a faith-based, faith-focused on where we're going.